are glad that you joined us today. God wants to do so much for you and through you, and we want to hear about it. If you've been impacted by Fuel Church, share your story with us by emailing mystory at thefuelchurch.com. And to learn more about our worship experiences, visit our website at www.thefuelchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. How many baseball fans do we have in here? Come on, how many really, really baseball fans? Not fans when the Cubs won, but you were... Yeah, I've seen a lot of Cubs stuff after they won, but... How many were baseball fans before the Cubs won and you liked the Cubs? How many Cubs fans do we have? We got some in here, yeah. I have a few vivid memories uh, concerning baseball growing up. The first memory I have is my uncle, his name was Fuge, Uncle Fuge. And uh, Uncle Fuge took me to his uh, 4th of July uh, baseball tournament, right? And he took me to this tournament and on this day, I got to be the bat boy, right? And so I'm all excited, and he's showing me how to do this. And I mean, Uncle Fuge, he's no small guy. He eats a few burgers at a time. And, um, you know, all the guys on his team were like 250, pushing 300, and just smashing the ball. And so I'm, I'm going through, and we're like in the third inning, and I'm going to grab a bat. And then all of a sudden, the only thing I remember is looking up. I'm on the ground looking up. I got whacked by the bat and got knocked out and ended up getting six stitches in my chin because the guy was warming up, and I went in too soon, you know what I'm saying, to grab the other bat. And he went like this and just nailed me right in the chin. And I'll never forget that. Uh, First time I had stitches and the only time I've had stitches in my life. And then my other baseball experience was with my other uncle, Uncle Chuck. He took me to a Detroit Tigers game. They were playing the Texas Rangers. And at that time, there were two great players on those teams. One was Cecil Fielder. How many remember him? Cecil Fielder. The other one was Julio Franco. How many remember him? Some of you are like, nope. A long time ago. And then the manager or owner of the Texas Rangers at that time was George W. Bush, right? Before he became president. And so here I am at the game and Uncle Chuck is like, we're going to go early because we're going to get autographs. And I'm just like, oh, man, I'm psyched, you know. And he's like, man, if we're really lucky, man, we're going to get Cecil Fielder's autograph and maybe Julio Franco. You never know. And would you know that I met both those players and got their autographs on this ball right here? Julio Franco, Cecil Fielder. And then as we're walking away, all of a sudden we see all these people with like earpieces. And my uncle goes, there's George W. Bush. He goes, go up to him and get his autograph. So I walked right up to him. No one tackled me. So I walked right up to him and he signed the ball to Jacob. Best wishes, George W. Bush. And uh, pretty cool day for me. Pretty cool day for me. So this game baseball is very simple. The object of the game is to touch home plate as many times as you can. That's how you win, right? So to say home plate is a big deal is an understatement. Home play is a very important part of baseball. Whoever touches this plate the most wins the game. Someone say home plate. Hit the ball, steal a base, take a walk. Whatever you do, touch home play. Now the catcher's job is to what? Protect home play. Do anything necessary. Tackle. Tackle the player. Whatever you got to do, don't let them touch home 
plate. And I want to use an analogy in a different way today about home plate because likewise, fathers are called to protect home plate. We're called to protect home plate. We're called to protect the institution that God established in his word. You know that in God's word, he has called and ordained the fathers and the men to protect their home, to be the leader, to be the guide of that home, to be the spiritual leader, to be the financial provider of that home, to create a covering for your family. So my question to all the dads, fathers, how are you doing protecting home plate today? And I want to give you an encouraging word. And I want to give us uh, a bullseye to hit, an aim, if you would, that that each of us should be striving to hit as fathers, as dads in here today. Because the truth is we live in a society that has fed us a warped picture of what a man or a father should look like. I understand it can be very difficult and challenging to navigate through fatherhood. Because we live in a culture that says this, build your career, but neglect your marriage. Increase your wealth, but decrease your values. Make lots of money, but neglect your morals. Know more about your favorite athlete than you do about your wife and kids. This is what the culture is feeding us. Build your legacy, not your home. Tell the truth only when it benefits you. Search everywhere for answers, but turn from the one who has them. The culture says your asset is pride and your liability is humility. Fathers, we are not called to be passive. We're not called to be weak or indecisive. We're called to protect, lead, and guard home plate. We're called to initiate prayer. We're called to defend our wives, our children. We're called to shepherd our children in the way that they should go so when they are old, they will not depart from the faith. We're called to protect home plate from the enemy that's out to kill, steal, and destroy our children. The enemy that's out to destroy our marriage. I love 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13, and it says this. Be watchful. Someone say, be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Let's say that together. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Let's say that. Act like like men, be strong. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like a man. Act like a man. Be a man. Be a man. Provide for your family. Lead your family in the way that they should go. Lead them. Be the example for them to follow. We're called to fight the enemy, not flee from him. Amen. We're called to rise up as fathers, as dads with character that others are looking for. We're called to be the leaders our wives need us to be and the fathers our kids are looking for because our wife and our kids would rather see a sermon than hear a sermon. We are very good at talking the talk, men, fathers. Now, we're going to get encouraging here in a minute. I know I'm on your front porch today, but that's my job. Amen. We're good at talking it, but are we walking it out? We're good at quoting scriptures, but are we living scriptures? Because the Bible says that 
Even your children will know you by the love that you show towards one another. The love that you show towards their mother. The love that you show towards their mother-in-law. Somebody say, help us, Jesus. Help me. Help me. The love that you show towards other people who can never do anything for your life. How do you treat those people? How do you treat the waiter that messes up your order? How do you treat the the person that can never do do anything for you? How how do you treat the doorkeeper at the hotel? How how do you treat people? How do you treat them? Because your kids and your wife are watching. They're watching the sermon of your life. And every day, fathers, we're waking up and we're preaching sermons. And some of our sermons stink. Some of our sermons stink. And our kids are learning from the sermons that stink in our life. And they're taking notes. They're taking mental notes. And their hearts are being formed and molded and shaped at a young age from the sermons that we speak every day of our life. It's our job to protect home plate. Now, please understand me that Father's Day is supposed to be a celebration of our amazing dads. But for some, that's just not a reality. And I want to talk to you for a minute. Not everyone in here had that superhero dad who loved them unconditionally, who was there for them no matter what, who built them up, who spoke words of affirmation over their life, who celebrated you when you hit the baseball and you won the game. Not everyone had that father who pointed them to Jesus. Some grew up with no dad. Some grew up with an abusive dad. Some grew up with an addicted dad. Some grew up with a a dad who was a lover of work. Some grew up with a dad who was a pretender. My encouragement to you, as you may even hate this day and maybe despise it due to the lack of fatherhood in your life, I want to encourage you with a few things. Number one, you have a perfect heavenly father who will never leave you. Your earthly dad may, may have left you. He may have been absent, an absentee father, but your heavenly father will never leave you nor forsake you. The second thing is forgiveness is for you, not for your dad. Whether he's alive or he's gone, forgiveness is for you, not for your dad. The third thing is be the good example your dad wasn't. Be the good example your dad wasn't. He wasn't there, but you can be there. He didn't provide, but you can provide. He didn't lead you to the house of God, but you can lead your kids. You can lead others. Maybe you don't have biological kids, but you have kids that look up to you. Cousins or uh, nephews and nieces, neighborhood kids. Be the good example your father wasn't to you. And let me encourage all the single moms functioning in two roles. Let me encourage you. We applaud you today. Come on. Yeah. We're sorry life turned out the way it did, but we applaud you for bringing your kids, your family to the house of God, even though a father, their father is not present. We applaud you today because the truth is this. There are 24 million children in the U.S. that live without a father. 24 million. And, I, and, and, and here's the thing. All of hell would love to try to mess up our fathers, wouldn't it? The devil knows. They said there are more collect calls on Father's Day than any other day of the year. More collect calls. More collect calls. Do you understand what I'm saying? Is the fathers are, a lot of them are locked up. They're not present. 
The devil would love to mess up our fathers because he knows if he can mess up the fathers, he can mess up generation and not only just a generation, but generations to come. If I can get one of them without a father in their life, if I can get one of them without teaching them what a man is, what character is, what integrity, if I can get one, then I can mess up the next generation and the next generation after that. Listen to this. Fatherless children are five times more likely to commit suicide. Eight times more likely to go to prison. Nine times more likely to drop out of high school. Ten times more likely to abuse chemical substances. Twenty times more likely to have behavioral problems. Twenty times more likely to become a rapist. Thirty times more likely to run away. Thirty-three times more likely to be seriously abused. Thirty-three or Seventy-three times more likely to be fatally abused. If you're a young lady that didn't grow up with a healthy father, you are 53% more likely to marry as a teen, 71% more likely to have children as a teen, and 92% more likely to get a divorce. That's sad. We need fathers to protect home plate. We need to stop the enemy from stealing bases on our families. We need to stop it. We need to stop it. So here's three ways that fathers, we can protect home plate. Number one, we can step up. Someone say step up. We can be the man of action. We can lead with initiative. We can assume it our job. Assume it your job, fathers, to step up and lead your family. I've learned this. No one will take my family to a higher spiritual level than me. I set the tone. Not the church. Not the church. We get 2% of your family's life throughout the week. You get the rest. I set the spiritual tone for my family. Let me just say this. Most of the time, it's the women who take the spiritual lead in the home. But can I tell you, according to God's word, it was always intended for the men to set the spiritual tone in the home. Proven point, Genesis 7 and 8, God tells Noah, I need you to build me an ark. And in doing so, Noah, you will save your family. Now, it took Noah 100 years. How long? 100 years. But that 100 years, he and his family built the ark. And eight, eight of his family members were safe. Who did God tell to build the ark? Who was Noah? A father to seven kids. Noah? The father, right, was called by God to build the ark. Noah was called to be the spiritual leader of his house. How's that working out for us, fathers? How's that working out for us? I didn't expect to get too many amens on that. Notice it took time to build the ark, and it will take time for you and I to build that ark, which represents our home. It will take time to lay the spiritual foundation, but we should not neglect it just because it takes time. It took time for you to build that swing set, even though you had a hundred parts left over. Good job, fathers. We all have the extra parts. If we all put our extra parts together, we could build a rocket to Mars. Come on, one, son, one Father's Day, we should just call it Father, a Parts Day, Father's Day. I don't know. And we should all bring our parts in and see what we could build. 
You say, step up. You know, I do bring them to church. It's more than bringing them to church. Church is important, yes, but it's more than that. Your home sometimes represents your church. When you walk through that door, do your kids feel at peace? Do they, because they can sense when there's tension, they can sense when there's something wrong, they can sense when there's anger towards your spouse, you know, so we have to lead them in our home. Church is important, and if church is merely an option, it will never be a priority. Just throw that out there. I had, confession, I had a drug problem growing up. My parents drugged me to church every week, multiple times a week. That was back then when we, we had Tuesday night prayer, we had Thursday night midweek, and we, we had Sunday morning and Sunday night. Where are all my Sunday night people? Come on, who grew up having Sunday night church? The rest of you are like, what? We watched football Sunday night. Well, back in the day, we loved Jesus on Sunday night. We did. And we came on Sunday night, and we all hated it. <laughs> Just kidding. Not really. Um, I had a drug problem. I came. I was here no matter what. If I was throwing up, it didn't matter. You coming to church. God will heal you on the way. Caught me a healing right away on the way. Like, God is good. Hallelujah. I'm reminded we do a great job of building memories with our kids. And I think that's so important, especially when they're young. And we should take them on vacations and create memories with them. I think that's important. I, I, I think it's very important that we make a big deal about their birthdays. I think, I think that's awesome. And we should engage them in sports and teach them life skills. But what about a spiritual memory? What about a spiritual memory? Because I can look back as I was prepping for this. I was just thinking about when I was a kid. And, you know, I remember a few of the vacations we went on and the different things that mom and dad did for us. But the number one thing that sticks out that I apply to my life today is that my dad taught us the ways of God. Not, 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 just, not just mere words, but it was the lifestyle that he lived. Those spiritual principles that he installed in us are principles that now have made me into the man that I am and the father that I am, the husband that I am, that I am now passing down to my kids. So what, what about that spiritual memory? How's that going for us? Are we creating spiritual memories for our kids? Are, are, are we putting a priority on the things of God or is it merely just an option? Because our kids hear and see everything we do, don't they? Yes, they do. They hear and see everything that we do. So number one, fathers, we're called to step up. Number two, we're called to stay humble. If there's the number one enemy of men, it would have to be called pride. In the middle of pride is this letter called I. If there's a spiritual enemy, it's called pride. Because men were wired different than women. And all the women said, I know I get some shouts from you women. And we like to take pride in what we accomplish. And we like to take pride in our homes, most of us. Some of you, your grass is this long. Invest in a mower. Okay. Anyway, Lowe's has got them on sale this week. And uh, we like, most men like to take pride in their family. They like to take pride, but the enemy would like to take that pride and pervert it. 
He would like, because you can be humble and be proud of what God has blessed you with. You can be humble and be proud of your home that you worked hard for, right? I, I didn't have a house given to me. I worked hard for it. How many, how many would say, yeah, I mean, we, we worked for it. No one gave me the house. I wasn't on Oprah. And she said, you get a house, you get a house, and you get a house. I wasn't there. I missed it. And so we can be, we, we, we can be, be proud of what God has enabled us to build that legacy in our home. Uh, but the enemy would love us to be prideful. First Peter 5, 6 and 7 says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. God opposes. Notice that? God opposes the prideful, but he gives grace to who? Humble. To who? Humble. The humble, not the grumblers. Grumble. Not the grumble, the humble. Amen. We can easily underestimate the cost of following Christ and easily overestimate our own importance, can't we? Pride. Pride comes knocking at our doors every single day. Fathers, don't think less of yourself. Think of yourself less. Did you hear that? Fathers, don't think less of yourself. Think of yourself less. Are you putting the needs and concerns of the family first or your own personal needs first? Philippians 2, 3 says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. See, it's very tempting to abandon character to gain position, to throw our values out the window for the sensation of success. What you do when no one is looking is really who you are. Who is that person? Is that who you want to be? The test of integrity is that your public life and your private life match. Fathers, the test of integrity is that your public life and your private life match. Stay humble or you'll stumble. Stay humble. Or you'll stumble. We're, we're, we're proud of what you've worked for. But God gave you the strength. God gave you the job. God gave you the wisdom to get the education to get that job. Give glory to God. Give glory to God. You say, 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 you know, it, it's really hard for me to, to, to lift my hands and worship because I'm very prideful. And that's what one, pride wants to keep your hands down. Because pride doesn't want you acknowledging the source of your life. The reason that you're here, the reason that you're successful is because of God. Yes, you did work hard. Praise God. Let's give you a hand clap. But it was by God's strength that he gave you the ability and the wisdom to build maybe a business, to build that home, to build that family. Acknowledge God. When we lift our hands, we're surrendering to God saying, God, you are the source of our life. Without you, we are nothing. But with you, we are everything. Can I get an amen? amen? So fathers, we're going to step up. This is our aim. This is what we're shooting for. This is our bullseye. We're going to step up, number one. Number two, we're going to stay humble. And number three, we're going to serve the king. We're going to serve the king. The biggest indicator of how much of Jesus you have in your life is how much you love others. Don't tell me you love Jesus when you can't love your neighbor. Yeah. 
Huh? Don't, don't, don't tell me you're living for God when you got hate in your heart towards someone who looks and acts different than you. Hmm? You don't, measure, you don't measure spiritual maturity by how much you know, but by how much you love. I say it like this. Love God, love self, love others. Love God, love self, love others. Because I can never love others until I learn to have a biblical view of loving myself. That's why some of you can't open up. The heart is hardened. It's calloused. It's hard. You don't open that room in your heart because you don't love self yet. You hate self. You hate what you see in the mirror. But when you have a biblical view of the way God sees you and the way God created you, you can then love yourself. And then in turn, you can now love others because you realize the love that God has for you and you want to lavish it on someone else. Serve the king, Matthew six thirty three. seek first his kingdom and all the things will be added unto you. Live for a greater reward. Live for a greater reward, fathers. The Corvette's nice. Come on now. Someone buy me one. Amen. Just saying. Just throwing it out there. Someone may be listening. That's a millionaire. I don't know. That's great, but live for the greater reward that you're leaving a spiritual legacy with your children's children. Well, I'm leaving them a big house too. That's great. But the truth is there's only two things that will last according to the Bible for all of eternity. The word of God and the souls of humanity. The word of God and the souls of humanity are the only thing that have significance in our lives that should have significance in our life because the word of God will last forever. And the people that we take to heaven and the people that we impact will last forever. Your kids aren't going to get up in heaven one day and say, hey, thank you, dad, for the big house you left me when you went, when you died. No, they're going to say, thank you for teaching me the ways of God. You weren't perfect, but yet you were humble enough to admit that you weren't perfect. I'm not talking about perfection here. Come on, somebody. I'm not talking you. you know, there, there's perfection in fatherhood. Listen, we all fall short. We all mess up. But our aim should be our aim should be to serve the king. Our aim should be to lead our family in the ways of God. I love Mark chapter 3, verse 14. It says, he appointed the 12 that they might be with him. You know, my first calling is not to be a pastor, a husband, a father. My first calling is to be with him. Because here's the reality, dads. Here's the reality. Your relationship with Christ, everything flows from that relationship. How I treat my wife, how I treat my kids. Oh, my wife and kids can tell when I ain't been spending time with my heavenly father. Because I'm impatient. Come on, somebody. I know none of you fathers are, but I'll talk for myself. Come on now. I was at the drive-thru the other day. I thought it was called fast food, not slow food. You know what I'm saying? I thought it was fast food. That's why I went there to get in and out in like three or four minutes. Because, you know, if you can cook a meal in three to four minutes, it must be really good and healthy for you. <laughs> Some of you eat it every day. Good God. And I got a little impatient with the kids in the car because it wasn't fast food. It was slow food. You know that your kids and your family can tell when you spend time with God. You know why? Because you're nicer. <laughs> you're nicer to people. You're nicer to them. When you've been with Jesus, 
It's the number one relationship. If this, if this, if this vertical relationship is intact, then all my horizontal relationships are good. When this is out of whack, all this is out of whack. I know, I know what some fathers think. Well, that just sounds like a whole lot of work. Well, not really. You just got to change your mindset about your relationship with Jesus. Because it's not work. It just comes natural once you get what it's all about. Once you get that he wants to be with you. He wants to wants you to talk to him. He already knows every intent of your heart. He knows every thought going through your mind. And he just wants to have relationship with you. He wants you to talk to him. It's not work. It becomes a lifestyle that will change your very life. He wants you. Jesus wants you. Not your talent, not your gift. He wants you. He doesn't want you for what you can do for him. He wants you for you. Dads, he wants you for you. Well, man, I'm falling really short. Everything you've mentioned, man, I'm falling short. He wants you. He wants you to start right there where you've fallen short and to begin to build that relationship with him. Serve the king. Serve the king. It's the greatest spiritual investment you can give to your children. Last scripture, and we close up. Acts chapter 4, verse 13. It says, They were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were not ordinary men with no special training and that they had been with Jesus. Does your family say, Daddy's been with Jesus? Or do they say, uh, Daddy's been with his coworkers, Daddy's been with his brother or sister? Don't talk to daddy. He's in one of those moods. He's been with so-and-so. Or do they say, daddy's been with Jesus. He was more patient with me. He was more kind. He was more loving. He didn't scold me like the last time. He wrapped me in his arms and began to embrace me, even though I did wrong. Our job, fathers, dads, grandfathers, uncles, spiritual fathers, is to protect home plate. Our job is to keep the enemy from stealing home. This is our biggest priority. This is our greatest investment. 401k is great. I'm glad you added a few more zeros on it. That's cool. But one day the 401k is going to be gone. But this, my friend, this will last forever. This will last forever. We're going to protect home plate here. Amen. Were you blessed by that today? Come on, let's give God a praise. Hey, thanks for listening today. And maybe you're out there and maybe you feel far from God today. Maybe life has thrown you a curveball. You've taken some wrong turns. You've messed up. I'm here to tell you about God's love for your life. You know, it's real and it's for you. And, and no matter what you've done, no matter where you've gone, God is there. His love is unconditional. And, and the Bible says that if you just confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, you're saved. And I'm going to lead you through a prayer, and I just believe that if you say this prayer and mean it with your heart, the Bible says you're saved, and I want to encourage you to tell somebody about this decision, but just wherever you're at, just say, God, I ask you to forgive me of my sins, come into my life, change me, in Jesus' name. It's simple as that, and I encourage you, find a good local church. If if you can get to Fuel Church, get here. God is moving. God is doing some great things the lives and families of the people that come here, but find a good church where you can grow in God. Until next time, God bless you. Have a great week.